Well, hey, welcome to Javel Prez. If you would, make your way back to your seat. Kids, we're excited you're in the room. Welcome to church. If you would, grab a Bible. Open up to Ephesians. If you are able, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I'd love for everybody to have a copy of God's Word out in front of them. If you we're into Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Friends, with that in mind, hear the Word of the Lord to us. Paul writes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God remains forever. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Would you be seated and keep that Bible open in front of you? Actually, actually, let me change it up for just a second. Uh, please stand up if at one point in your life you were a child or you are a child. Some of you are having to think about that. It's a long time ago. All right. Uh, you can sit down if you can admit, though, that you have sinned once or twice against your parents by disrespecting them or disobeying them. So the only people that should be remaining are perfect children ever. Oh, well, hmm, interesting. Hey, well, welcome to church. Uh, all right, please stand up if you have had the privilege of being a parent. Wow, wow. All right, um, <clears throat> please sit down if you have ever made a mistake as a parent. All right, so... What's the point of the illustration? We've all been kids. Hopefully we all had loving parents, but we've all made mistakes. I've made mistakes. I am not a perfect dad. I am not a perfect husband. I was not a perfect kid. But friends, what we do when we come to church is we learn what God would have us do and what God would want us to believe. And we come as beggars finding free food, if you will. So with that in mind, we're going to come at this humbly we're going to come at this to try to really recognize that we all have areas to grow. So we're going to do an exercise. So if you are here with your family, so uh, kids, if you're here with your parents, I'm going to encourage you to do something real fast. Will you please hug your mama? Hug your mom and then say these words, I'm sorry and I love you. I'm sorry for everything and I love you. All right, parents. Mom and dad, if you are in the room with your kids, hug your kids and say, I'm sorry too, and I love you. This was in lieu of the confession of sin earlier in the service. So we've all collectively confessed our faith in Jesus Christ and also the fact that we are sinners in need of grace, whether we are adults or kids in the room. So in that spirit of humility, let's pray. Father, thank you for the parents that raised us. Lord, we thank you that we each have life, that we were each kids. Lord, thank you that you tell us to have faith like children. So Lord, would you give us that childlike faith today? Oh, Lord, would you strengthen parents, give them encouragement, and help us to love our kids well? And Lord, we thank you for the blessing that our kids are, and Lord, would they obey their parents and love you in the Lord? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's look down together at Ephesians chapter 6, 
verses one through four. The very first word is what? Anybody see it? Kids, you can read it out loud if you can read. What's that first word? Children. Do you see that? It's Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. Now, what you need to understand is that word children right there doesn't just refer to kids who are like 11 years old and younger. That word uh, in Greek could refer to anybody still living with their parents. So it could refer to kids. It could also refer to middle schoolers and high schoolers. And it could refer to who? Your adult son living in the basement right now. If they are living in your home, this passage would actually be referencing to them in a small way. But really what it seems like Paul is primarily addressing is actually kids that are younger and still being raised by their parents. So what I want you to realize, kids, uh, very first thing, look at Ephesians 6, 1. Ephesians 6, 1. The first thing you need to realize, kids, is that this is your place. The church is your place. You belong here. This is your extended family. I am not just your parents' pastor. I'm your pastor too in a small way. And the people in this room with you are here for you. There are ways for you to be engaged. You can listen to the sermon. You can study the Bible on your own. And the beautiful thing about the church is we are multi-generational, which means that there are people who are your grandparents' age here and people your parents' age and people your age. But notice in Ephesians, Paul just blurts out, hey, kids, I'm talking to you because he believes that the church includes kids. So kids, this is your place now, for the adults who still have, you don't have to stand up if this applies to you, but if you still have adult children living in your home, what might this be telling you? Paul says, technon in Greek, children. Children still living in the home, obey your parents in the Lord. So if you have an adult kid living with you, it is okay to live by my house, my... Ooh, everybody knew that one for some reason. <laughs> it's okay to live by that. Your house, your rules. But I want you to recognize, parents, is that when Paul is writing Ephesians, if you're a parent in the room, notice that Paul just assumes that the kids are in the church. There's no like, hey, at this point in the letter, Paul doesn't say, hey, now it's time to gather all the kids together because I'm going to talk to them. Paul just assumes that when someone stands up and teaches God's word, that the kids are in the room as it's happening. So Paul just assumes he understands that the church includes the kids. So if you're a parent in the room, I want to commend you for bringing your kids to church. It is not easy to get your kids out of church. So great job. We are thankful for you and we are proud of you. Now, if you're a parent still in the room and you have the incredible privilege of kids being in your home, I'd encourage you to go home and Google the National Study of Youth and Religion. Now, this may tell you more about me than anything else, but I find a lot of encouragement from this study. It was put on by the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and the University of Notre Dame, and they did it over years and years. It's called the National Study of Youth and Religion, and the sociologists studied how faith is passed on to kids. And so these very smart people studied teenagers and interviewed kids for years and years and years, and guess what they spent all of that grant money figuring out? what we already know to be true. What is the number one spiritual influence on a child? The parents. Now, the study will show that youth ministry involvement, youth group involvement does help, but it depends on the quality of the youth group. Praise God, we have a small uh, youth group that studies God's word. But the primary influence on a kid's spiritual life is whom? It is mom and dad. And to put a fine tip on it, 
It's dads. You know, kind of like what Paul says in our passage in verse four. Dads, look at verse four. Fathers, do not provoke your kids to anger. Kids, don't forget that verse. (laughs) But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. See, what that study revealed is just the truth of God's word, that the primary spiritual influence starts at home. So all that to say, uh, there's a lot of beautiful advice given to kids and family in this passage. So what is it that kids are supposed to do? What is, when Paul says, hey, kids, listen up, what does he want them to do? Well, what does he say? Look at verse 1. He says, obey your parents. <laughs> now, uh, I love, there's this guy named John Calvin. He's a really uh, old dude. He lived like 500 years ago. And his odds of people who obey this passage, he says there's one in a thousand who actually <laughs> obeys their parents. <laughs> kind of a pessimistic read, right? But I think we all recognize that obeying our parents is hard. Anybody remember when you were a kid and how hard it was to obey your parents? Kids, I know this is hard for you to hear. It's hard to obey our parents. So this is why Paul is going to give you kids several reasons for why you should do this. He doesn't just say obey and shut up. He says, let me give you some reasons why you should obey. Look what he says in verse one. He says, obey your parents for this is right, which means it's the right thing to do. Which means that, you know, you have to understand, uh, kids, if when Paul says this to you, he is believing that your parents are Christians, that they want you to do well, that they want you to know God, that they want you to understand grace and forgiveness, what is true, good, and beautiful. So when your parents tell you to do something, we want you to do it. And we love when you do it because it grows you into the person that you're meant to be. You know, Paul's not going to go into every possible scenario of how messy life can be, but the baseline for kids is obedience. And kids, this isn't just on you. This is the baseline for every Christian ever. We all are called to obey the Lord, and each Christian is called to obey their parents when they are being raised by them. And really, kids, you have to remember, of all the people in this world, God chose your parents. Yes, your parents to raise you. How beautiful is that? So, of course, this brings up the question, well, what if my parents tell me to do something wrong? (laughs) Ha, 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 Pastor Dustin, I got you. What if my parents tell me to steal? What, do I have to obey my parents then? Well, it's very interesting in verse 1, look at what it says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, which means that your parents can't tell you to do something that's morally wrong. If your parents tell you to sin, you shouldn't sin because ultimately our obedience is to whom? It's to God. And if you don't believe me, listen to my friend John Calvin. This is what he said. He said, parents are to be obeyed so far only as it is consistent with piety to God, which comes in first order. If the command of God is the rule by which the submission of kids is to be regulated, it would be foolish to think that performing a duty that would lead away from God should be obeyed. That's a fancy way of saying, parents, it's our responsibility if we're going to tell kids something to do, that it has to be the right thing. It has to be God-honoring. We, can, we shouldn't just command our kids because they're annoying us. Also, notice kids here in verse 1, he says, kids, obey your parents in the Lord. You know, why do we have to obey parents? Notice what Paul says. It's in the Lord. Paul is understanding that the kids raised in the church on some level are growing into Christians that they have a relationship with Jesus. And so Paul says, hey, kids, as you grow and you develop your own relationship with God, your own relationship with the Lord Jesus, work it out by obeying your parents. Trust them that they have 
your best interests at heart. So, uh, you know, um, you know, I'm so thankful I'm not talking to perfect kids and I'm not talking to perfect parents because I was not a perfect kid and I am not a perfect parent. But one of the ways that we have figured out how to sort of, you know, figure this call of obedience out with also how messy life can be is we live by a rule at our family. We try to, and it goes like this. When mom and dad tell the kids to do something, it's obedience first, then discussion. <laughs> We got this from a great parenting book called Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. And what he tells parents to do is train your kids that obedience is the first step. But if the kid has a reason for not wanting to clean their room or if they have a reason because they want to go out and play, the first step should be the kid obeying. And as soon as the kid starts obeying, then they can appeal to mom and dad and say, well, I want to go play. Can I clean my room later? You don't want to start with the argument first. You want to start with obedience first. And I think that's such a profound insight, right? That first instinct, right? So if I'm telling my kid, don't touch the stove, you want them to stop touching the stove and then tell you why they should touch it, not touch it and then cry and then <laughs> have the debate. But kids, I have bad news for you. It's only going to get more difficult from here. Look at verse two. Not only are we supposed to obey our parents, we're supposed to what? Oh, Kids, can you read it? Verse two, what does it say? Honor your father and mother. So it's not just your dad, it's your father and mom. It's your dad and your mom. If you just have a dad, it's your dad. If you just have a mom, it's your mom. Honor your parents. This is the first commandment. He's talking about the 10 commandments here. All right, so uh, is it easy or hard to always honor your parents? I'll explain it this way. So uh, can I obey my parents but not honor them? Can you do what your parents say, but kind of get angry at them in your heart? Have you ever obeyed, but actually been angry as you did it? See, this is where honoring is actually more difficult. Because when you honor your parents, guys, it means that you respect them. You look up to them. You see them as the people most on your side. Kids, if you don't know this, the people who most have your back are your mom and dad. That's who most has your back. You know who's most invested in you having a long life and having a great life? It's your mom and dad. So when you honor them, you actually show respect and you look up to them because not only did they give you life, they are on your side. But here's the thing. You obey with your behavior. But honoring is something you do with your heart. But here's the thing, guys. That is not easy. It is not easy to honor your parents uh, even today, even if you're an adult, you and I are called to what? Honor our parents. If they're alive, still we honor them. Now, we don't have to obey them like we're kids, but we always have to honor them. Is it always easy to honor your parents, adults? Some of your parents are still alive. Is it easy to honor them in your heart? No. And you know how I know that? It's because Jewish scholars for thousands of years have taught that there is a hardest commandment and there is an easiest commandment. And God gave us a sign to know which is the hardest commandment to obey and which is the easiest. If you were to go into the book of Deuteronomy, and Jewish scribes would teach that the hardest commandment comes with a promise. But so does the easiest commandment. And it's the same promise. If you flip over to Deuteronomy 22.7, what an obscure verse. This is the easiest commandment, according to Jewish scholars. They said, if you come across a bird and you want to eat the eggs, you can take the eggs, but don't kill the mom, so that it will go well with you and you may live long. <laughs> 
They said that's the easiest commandment, right? If you're hungry and you're scourging for some breakfast, you can take some eggs, but don't take the mama because that's cruel. But notice what Deuteronomy 22.7 says. And if you obey this commandment, you will live long and it will go well with you. And it's like, for real? Because I didn't take the mom bird? Like, this seems like an over big deal about the promise. But what the scholars would say is notice that that same promise, this easiest commandment to obey, is also in the same hardest commandment. What's the hardest commandment? Honoring your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you. What if we know better than our parents? Have you ever, kids, have you ever realized that your parents told you to do something and they were wrong? Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever, have you ever come on and you realize that you knew more than they knew, that they didn't have all the information? That's preaching to some kids in the room. What do we do then? What if we know more than our parents? Well, kids, you know, as you grow in your relationship with Jesus, uh, it's always great to study the Bible. You always want to be reading the Bible, learning more about him. It's the most precious thing we have is God's word. But did you know that there is a story of when Jesus was 12? Who's 12 right now? Raise your hand if you're a 12-year-old in the room. How many 12-year-olds we got? We got a few. All right, so did you know that Jesus was once 12? Did you know Jesus was once a kid? And there's actually a story in the Bible about when Jesus was 12 years old. And it's really interesting, if you go to Luke chapter 2, Jesus goes to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover, and uh, his parents come with a whole group of people, because faith is a journey you take with other people, and this group of people go to Jerusalem, and when it's time to go back home, who stays behind in the city? Anybody know this story? Now, Mary and Joseph, because they raised their kids in the community of faith, they just assumed when it was time to go back home, some other godly person was telling 12-year-old Jesus to just walk the road back with them. Joseph and Mary make it about a day's journey, and then they realize, what? Jesus hasn't come back. And so Mary and Joseph run back to the temple. And where is Jesus? He's learning about God, and he has insight into God's word. But notice what happens next. His mom says, where were you? Why did you treat us this way? And Jesus said to them, why were you looking for me? Don't you know I must be in my father's house? And of course, they didn't understand what that meant. But then Luke 2, 51 says this. And Jesus went down with his parents and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mom treasured up all of these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature in favor with God and man. Do you think Jesus knew a little bit more than his parents? (laughs) You know, you think God incarnate knew a couple things? And yet Jesus was obedient to his parents. Jesus, who knew more, was submissive to them, right? That's what it means for us to trust our parents. If Jesus can be submissive to Joseph and Mary, so can we. And notice that Paul, uh, kids, he says, all of this is so what? What's the reason that we obey our parents? What is the great heart cry of every parent? That it would go well with our kids and that they would have a blessed life. And that's the promise if we obey our parents. Now, of course, this isn't a universal promise. You're gonna, have, you're gonna live to 105. There are people who die early. There are hardships in life. But the point is, if you obey your parents, you're gonna be better off for it. So what would it look like to honor parents? So I could give you a bunch of examples of when I didn't honor my parents or when I disobeyed and bad things happened to me. But I'm going to give you an example, kids, of what it may look like to actually honor and obey your parents from the heart and why it may be a good idea. 
Because parents have, at the end of the day, parents have what? What is their number one thing that they have for their kids? They want their kids to have a long life and to be blessed, right? That's the number one thing. And your parents will never lose that. So uh, later, a couple years after I, I left the home, I was an older person. I, I was an adult-ish, you know. You know, people in their 20s are kind of adult-ish, just as, you know. And uh, I had tried to get this girl to date me. And she was beautiful and godly. But then she stopped talking to me and she blocked my number from her phone and wouldn't talk to me. And it was very heartbreaking and I was very lonely and very, very sad. Are you paying attention to the story? Sad, lonely Dustin. But then my father, oh, it's so hard to obey, honor my parents, isn't it? It's the hardest commandment there is. My father was like, hey, Dustin, you should go back to that girl because she's great and you should ask her out. And I was like, no, she blocked me. She didn't want to talk to me. And he was like, try one more time. And I was like, fine, I'll do it. And then I did it. And guess what? Within a couple of weeks, I was like, I'm going to marry her, dad. And I did. And her name is Caroline. And now we have five kids together. <laughs> the smartest thing I have ever done in my life was marry Caroline, which means the smartest thing I ever did was listen to my dad when he was like, try again. And it worked. Your parents may know something you don't. You know why my dad told me that? Because he knew Caroline and he wanted me to have a great, blessed life. Kids, trust your parents. Trust that they have the best interests. Man, it makes us so happy when you obey. If you have a reason for not obeying, let us know, but make obedience that first step. All right, kids, now here's the part you really need to listen to because not only does Paul tell the kids to do stuff, Paul tells the dads to do stuff too, which also refers to parents. That verse right there, verse four, where it says fathers, that word can mean parents in general, but it primarily is about the dads. So whether you have a dad or mom and dad or mom, this does refer to the parents, but it's primarily falling on the father's shoulder. So kids, listen up. I can tell you this. I only have one memory of my dad ever quoting me the Bible where I then responded with the next verse. And it was this passage. <laughs> See, this is dangerous, parents, when you teach your kids the Bible. They may actually remember some of it. My dad one time was like, Dustin, obey us in the Lord. And I was like, well, the Bible says not to provoke me to anger. <laughs> and he said, I knew you'd have an answer for everything. And then I went on to be a pastor. What does that tell you? All right, so dads, what does this have to say to us? Kids, listen up. Well, don't forget this whole passage, this whole section about husbands and wives, kids' parents, slaves, masters. This is all stemming from Ephesians 5.21, which is about people submitting to one another, meaning that we're obedient to the Lord for the sake of other people, for their benefit, right? So dads, we parent for the benefit of our kids. And the first thing that Paul says, and he has a parallel to this in Colossians. If you read Colossians 3, Paul says, dads, it's the same thing, which is don't provoke your kids to anger. Another way of saying is don't discourage them. Don't be unreasonable. You know, oftentimes, I think if dads are honest, their goal is just to be left alone by our kids, to avoid them, to get them to stop annoying us. I mean, it was a breakthrough moment when I realized that instead of seeing my kids as a thing that was annoying me, it was my attention that they most desperately needed. And the way for us to have a better relationship was not to cut them out of my life, but was to give them even more 
attention. Paul says the goal of fathering, of parenting, right, is to raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And dads, you can't just try to push your kids onto mom. They need your attention and they need your affirmation. They need you. You know, um, I was so encouraged. Uh, A few weeks ago, a dad was talking to me in my office, and he was telling me why he had stopped drinking alcohol. If you don't know what to do during uh, Advent, you could, you know, fast from alcohol during the season. It wouldn't be the worst idea if you drink, Uh, you know. But this dad said he stopped drinking. I said, why'd you do that? And he said, well, you know, it's not anything. I don't think drinking is sinful. I just realized that I was using it as a way of escape for my wife and kids when I got home. And so he wanted to be more present with his wife and kids. What a great decision by this dad. And dads, if I haven't told you this, you should probably, you know, if you want to to get a tattoo, you should probably get this tattooed on your arm or something. All you have in life is your relationship with God and the lives of people you invest in. You couldn't name me the last 10 Super Bowl winners. And yet, how many hours do you spend watching football? And within a couple of seasons, it's all forgotten. All you really have in life is your relationship with God and the lives you invest in. And who are you called to most invest in? Your kids. It's an incredible role that you have as a father. Uh, if you don't know this, uh, guys, your kids should have these three things said to them repeatedly from their father. Number one, I like you. Number two, I love you. Number three, you are good at blank. Whatever you think your kid is good at. I like you. You know, dad, stop saying, I love you, but I don't like you. That's horrible parenting. (laughs) Aren't you so glad God never says that to you? I like you. I love you. You are good at, and then find the thing your kid is good at. If you don't think you had a good dad, if you're a guy in the room and say, well, I don't have a good model. Well, the great news is that you have the Bible. You have great godly models. You have everything that you need in God's word. Think about Job, everything that he suffered, Chapter 1 of Job, what does it say about Job? Job, every morning, made sacrifices on behalf of his kids and prayed for them because he knew what his kids were like. (laughs) And he would pray for his kids every morning. Joseph, the father of Jesus, right? The adopted father of Jesus with Mary. He was willing to move to Egypt to protect the life of baby Jesus. Joseph was a protector. Dads, you are called to protect your kids. You are called to pray for them. You know, say things like, I love you, I like you, you are good at. So what is it specifically, though, that dads are also supposed to do? Maybe, dads, you never heard a sermon this directly, uh, so I say this as much to myself as anybody in the room because I still have kids in the home, but what is it really at the essence of being a dad? Well, notice verse 4, he says, don't provoke your kids to anger, right? So control your anger, don't discourage them. But what are we supposed to, if I'm not supposed to be angry, what am I supposed to do? Paul says you raise them in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. What does that mean? Well, uh, you know, you may not appreciate this, but I think it's incredibly helpful in today's world. If you flip over to the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians, if you can turn over to 1 Thessalonians, just turn right in your Bible a few pages. You'll get there eventually. In 1 Thessalonians... um, it's very interesting how Paul uh, talks to the church in 1 Thessalonians. I think this is very, 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 very helpful. Uh, maybe you don't like what I'm about to say, but I don't know how you get around this. Uh, I think it's true in life, and I think it's true in God's word. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul is talking about the church in Thessalonica, and he loves the church in Thessalonica. And Paul says, he's going to use an interesting analogy. 
Paul says in chapter two, he's like, I love you, you guys are great. When I preach, you accept it as the word of God, not the word of man, good job for doing that. And then he says, and as your pastor, I I treat you in kind of two different ways. He says, on one hand, I was like your mom. I was nurturing you, and I was affectionately desirous of you. Look at Ephesians chapter two, verse seven. Paul says, but we, that is, you know, Paul and Sylvanus and Timothy, these sort of spiritual leaders, says we were gentle among you, like a nursing mom taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Okay, what are the characteristics of a, of a mom? Desirously affectionate, gentle, wanting to share life, this tenderness that comes from the mom, right? Now, it's not that men can't be tender. After all, Paul is saying, yeah, I, I can be tender too, but that's what moms do. Then look down at verse 11. For you know how, like a father with his kids, we exhorted each of you, and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. How does Paul say the, the paradigmatic, the ideal father operates? He says moms ideally are gentle, they're affectionate, they're like a mom weaning a child, but dads, you have a specific role to function. And what is the role of a father? Exhortation. You know what that is? That is a moral encouragement to do the right thing. Do the right thing. You can do it. You can take the hill. That's exhortation. Also, encouragement. And you teach them to do what? Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Worthy of the calling. So dads, what is it that you are primarily responsible for doing? Exhorting your kids and encouraging your kids to walk in a manner worthy of God. The strong word, the you can do this, I believe in you, you can ask Caroline out, do it. (laughs) That's the exhortation that needs to come from dads. And that's exactly what Paul says in Ephesians. Where does the spiritual leadership fall? Where does verse four go? What What does verse four say? Dads, fathers, Train your kids in the instruction and the discipline of the Lord. Did you know when Paul was writing this, this is kind of interesting. Um, You know when Paul was writing this, uh, in, in, in Jewish families and also Roman families, during this culture, whose responsibility was it for the education of children and for the religious education of kids? Who do you think, who do you think was responsible for making sure the kids were educated and trained in the faith? In both Jewish families and Roman families, it was the dad. That responsibility was the dad's. Okay, go to today, dads. Who do you think bears the responsibility for teaching your kids the gospel, exhorting them to obey God? Whose responsibility is that? Is it the church's? Is it your wife's? What does God's word tell you? Fathers, I'm talking to you. Don't discourage your kids. Instead, train them in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. Do you feel the weight of that command, dads? Good, you should. 
You are strong. You have the Holy Spirit. You are a man. You are made to be strong. You were made to carry this weight. This is why you are here. You were made to invest in the people in your lives. You were made to love God and love your family. There is a freedom to that if you're willing to bear the weight of that. And God will strengthen you if you are willing to put it on your shoulders. Let me just finish up with this. Uh, Parents, dads, if you're in the room, uh, think about this. Your parents, uh, your kids, excuse me, your kids should believe in God's unconditional love for them because they get it from whom? They get it from you. Your kids should believe in God's grace and forgiveness because they receive it in part from whom? You. Your kids should see you reading the Bible, not just watching sports or on your phone, right? Your kids should understand what is sin and what is evil because they know you will tell them what is true. You know, I love this, dads. I love this saying. Faith is believing to be true what God already knows to be true. You catch that, dads? That's what you and I are called to do. We are called to be men of faith who believe to be true what God already knows is true. You are just aligning yourself and your family with God's word and his truth. All right, so um, let me just, you know, finish with this. Kids, if you're in the room, hug your parents. Say, thank you and I love you. Parents, hug your kids and say, thank you, I love you too. Yeah, I'm not just talking to the kids. There's also teenagers in the room. Your mom needs the hug. If you were once once a child, you know, if you were at one point in your life a child, you know, are you honoring your parents? If they're still alive, call them this afternoon. Say thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the clarity that your word gives us. Father, I pray that you would strengthen fathers, mothers, Lord, families, kids, grandparents. Lord, we pray that we would know more and more of your love for us. Lord, we thank you for the blessing that our kids are. And Lord, as parents, we confess and ask your forgiveness for the ways that we have been selfish in the way that we've disciplined them. Lord, we pray that we would not discourage our kids. Father, forgive us. Would you give us hearts of repentance? Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Lord, we thank you for the godly men and women who are raising kids. Lord, would you encourage them? Lord, we thank you for the godly examples of single women like Lydia who raised her family as the head without a husband, leading them to baptism and faith in you. So Lord, whether they're single moms or single dads, broken families or families still together, Lord, we need your mercy and we need your strength. Lord, thank you for Jesus' death on our behalf, that we can live a new life by your Spirit. In his name we pray, amen.